Hello, adoptees, friends and family of adoptees. What is up? Welcome to this month's episode of The Rambler. I am your host, Mike McDonald. I'm the guy. I'm the guy in charge of running the things, putting together the show, conversing with the people, and uh, sending it out to the interwebs for you to consume. How exciting is that? It's very exciting. I, I think it's pretty exciting anyways. Hey, listen, I have a great show for you today. My guest today is the director of the New York Asian Film Festival, Samuel Jamier. Samuel Jamier. See, I, I was going to mess that up. I was going to mess that up and uh, pronounce it Jamier because, uh, I don't know, or Jamier because, I, again, I don't know. I, I uh, took Spanish, not French. Uh, throughout my high school career, so I'm actually unsure of how to pronounce French things, most French things. So I'm sorry, I apologize to Samuel of of my terrible uh, French pronunciation and my terrible French accent. Uh, But he is the director of the New York Asian Film Festival, and he is going to be on hand this Sunday, as in tomorrow. I'm putting this out early, so you guys have a chance to hear this, if you're in the New York area, you can go to the New York Asian Film Festival and check out this movie, Split. It's a Korean movie by director Choi Kuki. And uh, it's an interesting movie. I got an early screener of it to check it out so I could talk to uh, Sam a little bit about it before uh, our conversation. But it's a, it's a good film. I encourage you guys to check it out. And also known as is going to be hosting a Q&A with Samuel uh, right after the movie. And that's tomorrow, July 9th, 2017 at 1230 you can meet at 12.15 in the lobby of the Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center if you uh, want to get in on that. So you, you can. Uh, it's a little bit late, I think, to try to get into the uh, reserved seating area with AKA, but you can hear more about how you can go check it out uh, there with Samuel and AKA and everybody else there at the New York Asian Film Fest. At the end of the interview, Samuel's going to give you all the information about how to see that movie, so you can check that out, okay? Uh, and it, it's cool. So that'll leave you something to hang on to. Speaking of movies, what else is new? A lot of movies. We're in, we're in peak movie season here in the uni- United States. So we got uh, the summer blockbusters all coming out. Let me pull up my, uh, my list. I have, I have a running list of uh, my favorite movies of 2017 so far. Uh, and, and I update it with every movie that I watch and I've been, I've been seeing a lot of movies lately. So I know you guys come here to listen, uh, (laughs) to my latest recommendations, uh, baby driver, number one right now, number one of 2017. I want to go see it again. I've seen it once already. I think I want to go see it again. I bet this is flying under a lot of people's radars, baby driver. Uh, but it's a good movie. If you like heist movies, uh, it's a good movie. If you like a lot of car chases and a little bit of quirky comedy. If you're a fan of Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright is the director. He also directed Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, and all those movies. Uh, so so check that out if you like Edgar Wright and his sensibility. Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the World, another good, great movie. I'm a big fan of Edgar Wright, so this kind of was right up my alley. Camille Nanjiani's The Big Sick is also out and incredible. Uh, I think it's in limited release right now, but it should be going wide pretty soon, and I Highly encourage people to go see that. If you like Aziz Ansari's show, Master of None, or if you've checked out Hassan Minaj's special Homecoming King on Netflix, they're both on Netflix, then you will probably really enjoy The Big Sick. I think it's an incredible movie, and it's very uh, personal to Kamel. So that was good. Uh, Get Out. Uh, It it occupied the number one spot for a long time, and and, uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. 
I don't remember if it actually came out this year or in the end of last year, but uh, one of my favorite movies that I've seen, 2017, that's what my list is based off. Those are just the top three. Anyways, uh, those are those are the kind of things. Okja, I'm in the middle of it. I haven't finished it yet, um, but Okja is on Netflix, and I like it. I like it a lot. It's uh, definitely, I think, the first movie that I've seen that's like a Netflix original movie, not a series, that I'm like a big fan of so far. Uh, I think it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully uh, filmed. The sound is good. And, you know, leave it to uh, Bong Joon-ho to make an incredible film uh, for Netflix. And it's very quirky and funny. The kind of quirky and funny uh, sensibilities that you can expect from Bong Joon-ho. If you're familiar with him as a filmmaker, if not, uh, check out Snowpiercer. That's another good one by Bong Joon-ho, uh, the host. That's a good movie too, uh, and yeah, maybe you'll enjoy those. I think those are also that's also showing at the New York Asian Film Fest, and we talk about a lot of Asian films and stuff in my interview with Samuel Jamier. So uh, check that out starting right now. Okay, enjoy, enjoy. Right. How am I? How do I pronounce your name? It's Samuel Jamier. Jamier. Yeah. Jamier. I did not know. I'm not good at French. Uh-huh. I uh, took Spanish uh, <laughs> growing okay. up. Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't really help here. <laughs> People sometimes think it's Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Do they? I got it at the customs once. Uh, for some reason, they had me wait, and I don't know. I guess I, they thought maybe I was a person of interest or something. <laughs> and then I hear Samuel Javier, and I like, I like that. What? <laughs> and then I realized she's calling, the officer's calling my name. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Well, oh, shit, that's, <laughs> she, that's me, I guess. So you and have to go, go and explain. I, no, I go to her, I'm like, it's pronounced Jamier. And she stared, she glared at me. She like, glared at you for yeah, that? Yeah, of course. You know how the, you know, the, the very nice customs officer that protects, you know, this oh, country. Yeah. Or, <laughs> they're they're, they're the, not the always first line there. of defense. Yeah, she can't call it that, but yeah, that was an experience. One of my uh, early experiences. So how long ago was that? It's quite a while ago. I think that was uh, Bush's second term. So probably 2004 or five or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah just about. Well, if he was uh, newly elected, then it would have been, yeah, probably around that, that time. Yeah, frame, around I that guess. time. Yeah, it was a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like now, but yeah. Yeah, so well, that was, your, was that your first entrance into the U.S.? No, it like wasn't. Officially? At the time, what happened, I was, uh, my status was being readjusted. So they gave me what's unfortunately called a letter of probation. Uh-huh. So that would create confusion among uh, U.S. customs officers who thought I was actually a felon on parole right, or something, yeah, yeah. on probation. That sounds, it doesn't so sound good. This one time, no, it does not <laughs> sound good. So there's this one time they actually sent me to, uh, to the police station. Uh-huh. And I was like sitting in this room with people who are actually going to get <laughs> deported. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, that does not feel very comfortable. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got a lot of stories like that, actually. So that was your first time, though? That they, they really not the first time, but yeah, I had, a, I had a few experiences back in the days, 2005, six when I was... Uh, uh, during uh, my readjustment status. So, okay. Uh, yeah. But to be clear, not a criminal. No, I'm not a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> and you grew up in France? I grew up in France. Okay. In, uh, in northwestern France. So uh, not Brittany. like Paris. Uh, I did go to Paris for, for college. Uh, okay. But I spent my early years uh, in, uh, in northwestern France. In, so I think... Among the Bretons. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were, you were the first French adoptee I've had on the show. 
Oh, really? If you can believe oh, that's that. That's interesting. So, so I don't know anything about the uh, French adoption system mm-hmm. or, or I haven't really talked to many French adoptees at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you want, want to go through a little bit what it was like uh, growing up in France and what that process of adoption is, is like? Uh, you mean uh, before how my parents dealt with it? My, yeah. my, uh, I can't really. Dis- I don't know. I mean, I, I, I came to I came to France through Whole Children's Services. It's mm-hmm. you know one of the biggest uh, agency <clears throat> yeah. agencies. Uh, what was it like? Uh, I think it's com- to an extent it's comparable with uh, some American, mm-hmm. a lot of American adoptees. I mean, I met a number. Of kids from, I mean, they're no longer kids, but they were um, kids from Minnesota. Let's say <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it was somewhat similar. It's, uh, uh, but we don't have support group there. Well, at least I didn't know about their existence. So, mm-hmm. I mean, not support groups. I don't know what you call that, but uh, association. Post adoption services. Yeah, yeah. Or, here, like you see a lot of. Um, well, like also I realized it's actually a community. You have yeah. a lot of uh, kids who grow up. They know each other. They know exactly what it means. They, you know, you've got like training camps for <laughs> Korean culture. I guess you I've really never heard it fo- explained uh, like that, but that's perfect. Yeah, it's like a training that camp. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel it is. And you sort of need training. Some mental and emotional training. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is how you're going to deal with the Ajushi there. This is how you're going to deal with the Ajuma. Be careful. You can always get knocked out by an Ajuma in the street. That's it's true. true story. That's true. Uh, I've seen it happen. Yeah, yeah. These women, it's crazy. Uh... <laughs> What was it like? Um, it's it's hard to summarize in uh, in only a few words, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's 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 similar, but with the specificities of of France uh, and this just back in the seventies when I arrived in France, I actually late seventies, early mm-hmm. early early eighties. It it was. Uh, it was very, very, very white. I mean, it was just like right. I was the only non-white kid. I mean, there was there were no blacks, no Arabs. I mean, there's a lot of immigration mm-hmm. from uh, North Africa, from Algeria, from right, Tunisia, right. Morocco, Africa in general. I mean, the former colonies. That's typically what happens in Europe. Uh, but at the time, I was I was literally the only non-white kid, like several miles square miles. Was it a big so, town? No, it was a very small town on top of it. So, so every now and then, I meet, I meet these, I meet these guys who, who grew up in Arizona, or, yeah. uh, Asian, Asian guys who grew up in Arizona or Utah, random <laughs> places. And like, how the fuck did you end the, end there? And uh, well, they asked me the same question too. Yeah, like, so yeah, exactly. It's totally random. Uh, not necessarily adopted, uh, adopted people, but. Um, yeah, I, I was. I grew up there. I mean, it's, strangely enough, it's a, it's a culture that has some similarities uh, with uh, Korea. So when I when I first went to Korea, I noticed a lot of similarities. Oh, really? Uh, it's fairly conservative. Lots of drinking going on. Mm. Uh, it's by the sea, so you have a lot of uh, fishermen and what, seafood. Yeah, yeah. The traditional culture, uh, in some ways, reminded me a bit of uh, in Korea. Reminded me a bit of uh, Brittany, where I grew up, mm. in a very strange way. Um, so it wasn't easy for me being there, but I mean, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What you well, what ways, like, so it wasn't very easy? Like, in what ways? Well, I was like, a very isolated kid. You know, yeah. When you're the only uh, non-white kid, you tend to be singled out. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. Uh, so, like, when I was when I was much later, but like in high school, mm-hmm. I would skip a lot of classes. I was, I was not, you know, I was, I was doing okay. My grades were fine. 
but um, but I didn't like attending classes. I would just read and attend when I had to, uh-huh. uh, which got me in trouble quite a few times. But <laughs> for, but somehow I thought. I think a lot of Korean adoptees have that experience. I thought I could just uh, not show up and no one would notice. Because I'm not <laughs> thinking, I'm the only Asian kid in this, right, uh, right. In, this, in this school. So every now and then I'd just be like, I'm just not going to show up. Uh, and, <laughs> and then the, the history teacher or whatever would be like, so, so Samuel, where, where, where were you last week? Right. And I was like, how the fuck did he realize I wasn't there? It's, so like the only Asian is skipping class. Exactly. <laughs> and so like, okay. Okay, later on, I was like, I, just, I don't Figured know. Figured it but out. You, you like some self, when you're surrounded by people of the right. same ethnicity, at some point, you just think you're, you're like, it's like dogs who are always among humans. You think mm-hmm. you're a human being as well. It's, 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 it's kind of similar. I started realizing, I started developing more of an ethnic identity when I went to London. Oh, you went to London? London. I went to London in the early 1990s, uh, probably 1993, 1994. Uh, that's when I started having a stronger sense of uh, self, maybe, or at least of ethnic self. Because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you, you see, I, I would recognize all the French people in London. There's like this massive wave uh, of Parisians going to London. I don't know why. Uh, maybe, maybe the <laughs> Is that like the cool place to go? It's a cool place. It's still a cool place. And it wasn't as expensive as it is now, uh-huh. even though the food was absolutely dreadful. But uh, <laughs> it, it got As a opposed lot to French better. cuisine? Uh, as opposed to any cuisine, <laughs> English food was at the time was, I don't know. You're not was, into like weird. fish and chips and, and shepherd's pie. No, I was, but they had. I think they had. Their the standards weren't too great. I don't know what was going on. But uh, <laughs> and now I, I really think it's become one of the world, the capital of. Um, I think they've come around. Food culture, yeah. absolutely. But why? There's because there's so many Europeans. I mean, we're not yeah, going yeah. to get into a talk about uh, about Brexit, but what sure. makes uh, London uh, food culture so great is that you've got so many French and Portuguese so many and, and Spanish. I, I don't know if you can, even, if you can call that immigration because we're, we're well, right yeah. next door in a way by the scale of sure, sure. travel. You're, you're, you're a couple of hours away mm-hmm. from London, but uh, it's it certainly completely transformed uh, London. I mean, I remember at the time and a couple of my colleagues here at the New York Asia, uh, Asian Film Festival are, from, uh, are based in London. So we often talk about the 90s. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, at the time I would, I would come across uh, French people. They recognize each other. You know, there's a style. Like, you know, someone speak French. You go, okay. And, you know, I was just, I was um, in the invisible man. They would never realize I was, I, I was sure, French. Sure, yeah. If you're not opening your mouth. not. If I don't open my mouth. Uh, and and so I started making friends with uh, uh, Asian kids, Asian uh, kids. I keep saying kids, but I guess we were. Well, you were all kids then, right? 20s, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so I became close friends with some Taiwanese folks, and then uh, Japanese, uh, all kinds of foreigners, I mm-hmm. guess. Spaniards. I, I, I lived with a bunch of Spaniards. Uh, yeah, that sounds funny, but I had literally a whole bunch of them. I was supposed to only have one Spanish roommate, but um, somehow I ended up with a, an entire tribe of Spaniards from all over Spain. I was like, that's not what I signed up for. They all like know the each other, 20s. and you're like the only one who's a Frenchman no, in there? No, what happened or? is my, my roommate at the time, oh, God, I've, yeah, I've got a lot of stories. Uh, my roommate got greedy, and she, she would over over rent, over... 
uh, populate the apartment to get more rent money. <laughs> Did you realize she was charging all these guys? So she would get tons of money from renting. That would more like than a cover the rent. Apartment. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like complete exploitation. At some point, there was like Lithuanians in the apartment. Like, what the fuck are they doing here? At some point, the boyfriend. The whole from, EU is represented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, or yes, yes, more or less. Some her boyfriend from Montenegro crashed our house for three months. It's like, why is that even happening? Anyway, it's an interesting experience. I, I was confronted with all kinds of cultures at the yeah, time, yeah. and um, it, was, it was quite interesting. And that's when I, I started developing a sense that was uh, that was Asian. Really. So, like, sort of developing your Asian identity. Yeah, uh, although, although I did admit that in my teens, uh, when I, went, I also went to music school on the side, uh, I learned the piano, the cello. You know, like oh, wow. good kids, good kids tend to. Yeah, sure. Uh, or kids who are trying to be good, or <laughs> kids whose parents want. To well, Want them to be yeah, good. They want them to be good. <laughs> Not skipping so that class. That was my parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, there were lots of Vietnamese uh, kids going there. So I started making friends with them. That was my first exposure to Asian cinema at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, they would watch uh, Hong Kong flicks on VCD. Oh yeah. Sometimes dubbed in Vietnamese or with Vietnamese subtitles. How do you follow along with that when it's in Vietnamese? Uh, it was just such a shock at the time. It didn't really matter. So you know, mm-hmm. it's really like you know the Hong Kong uh, visual vocabulary. Sure, is so yeah. intense that you just get caught in it and you're like wow that's amazing you know Flying Swordsman that was it's completely different than western cinema yeah absolutely it was a huge shock and, and, and I think it gave me quite a different experience in that sense from Asian Americans uh, Asian American men in particular I mean what mm. you hear I mean we've all had these conversations like oh we grew up we never had any role models sure it's yeah it's basically Bruce Lee that's about it and there's like really no masculine like Asian yeah, yeah, men yeah yeah so for me it was quite different as a teenager I, was, I would be watching these um, Hong Kong films starring yeah. you know, the John Woo movies mm-hmm. with Chai Yun Fat so to me I had no problem like hard boiled yeah yeah exactly I mean these are Asian heroes I was yeah like, I was like, I get it, and you can't really be, you know, they didn't have issues with that. It, mm-hmm. it was like, of course, in France, I mean, my sense was, and also France is not built on that idea of the immigrant experience. I mean, historically, right. of course, in the large sense, we're all immigrants, and, mm-hmm. and, and people on France, there. You go to three generations, they're Italian or something, but they don't come from all the right, all right. Far. And then you dig deeper, of course, they're like Indo European and whatnot. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, so that's fine, but you, you see what I mean like, there's a stronger attachment to the soil, the idea of uh, where you're born and stuff. Right. And people stay there for generations and generations, sure. And I believe that's what's uh, happening to America right now as well. Like, that's why we have this mm-hmm. wave of conservatism, like, people. After three or four generations, they feel like it's, they've been there forever. Right. And everyone else is intruding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what's my point? Uh, what I was trying to say was... It seems like uh, this is... Well, it was like your first kind of exposure to uh-huh. Asian cinema and that, how that maybe shaped your Asian my, identity. Yeah, it built my confidence as well because I... I, I it, especially when I talk to, again to other Asian-American guys, I'm like... I didn't. To me, that was never. That was never really a problem. I just assumed a French uh, action movie should right. feature. Uh, uh, and at the time, no one would use the term white. It just started appearing uh, recently in, in the French vocabulary. I noticed. Interesting. What do they use? 
les blancs mais but it's very it's it's a little awkward because it has that colonial yeah yeah uh, you know it's it's not a word you use easily like the same as the Uh, the, uh, I would say in Europe we don't we don't use the term race as often either mm. because it Im immediately brings you back to the Nazi era and that a oh, lot yeah. of discomfort. So sure. we try to avoid uh, thinking in racial terms. So now it's it's almost inevitable. I mean, globally, everyone's thinking about that I right, mean, with yeah. all these tensions, the the return of a clash of civilizations I mean mm -hmm. uh, despite what some think there, there is actually I mean people want for civilization to clash it seems like right um, so so yeah uh, it built uh, Asian cinema definitely uh, helped me build, build my identity when I was mm -hmm. a kid and um, uh, that was that was a massive factor so it's it's in a way this it's kind of um, the um, It's coming full circle for me now, doing what I'm doing yeah. as, a, as a programmer and a director of a festival. That's so, so, yeah. Let's talk. So my first exposure to like, uh, you know, we I grew up mm -hmm. watching uh, like Bruce Lee movies and Jackie Chan movies and right. Jet Li movies, you right. know, back in the day. But that was really the only Asian male uh, mm -hmm. exposure, I guess, mm -hmm. growing up, you know, in cinema and television, anyways. Right. Uh, it wasn't until college I really started watching more Korean films. Uh -huh. And so I would watch, like, uh, it was actually s some white friends in college who were like, mm -hmm. oh, you have to check out this movie, Old Boy. Uh -huh. I was like, what is this? And when I watched my mind just yeah, exploded. It's a <laughs> yeah, pretty wide film to start with Korean cinema. Yeah. yeah. I've just never seen anything like that before. Oh, I see. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, it, like, that was kind of the exposure for me for kind of Korean film in particular, uh -huh. uh, you know, is incredible and mind-blowing, like I said. So it, it seems like you had a kind of a similar experience uh -huh. uh, with, with these Hong Kong movies and other Asian films. That right, you, yeah, but I also had a sense that these weren't from the culture I came from. I mean, I mean, I could tell the difference between sure, yeah. and these Vietnamese kids. They, they you know, like, I could, yeah, they had a completely different experience from Korea, I later found out. But mm -hmm. I already had a sense that Uh, sure, we share something in common, but that's not exactly the same. So right. I grow a sense of an Asian identity in a broad sense, but not specifically of being from Korea. Uh, I started watching Korean films in the mid-90s, and at the time I thought mm -hmm. they were uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, yeah. uh, that was way before Old Boys, so mm -hmm. it was in 1993 or four, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah like around probably a decade time, before Old Boy. Yeah, so easily, and it was a completely different time for right. uh, for Korea. Uh, first one there in 1997, right after the um, the crash, mm -hmm. uh, the IMF crash. So so yeah, I, I became uh, my exposure to Korean culture was a bit later. Okay. So, yeah. Well, did you kind of so you you started watching those movies in like 1993 Korean films ish mm -hmm. and then and then 1997 you you went to Korea yeah 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 what was uh what was that like your first kind of experience back there um, honestly not too great uh it was, it was really bizarre uh i i i went back the most in the uh during my time in Japan I actually lived and studied in Japan for two years oh wow Uh, also a rather traumatic experience, especially the first few weeks. Uh, <laughs> Why? Because I spoke no Japanese, so yeah. that, that's really hard. And everyone assumed I was Japanese. 
uh, but somehow I learned the language. Uh, it's not great, but I speak I speak okay Japanese at this point. Uh, but I started becoming more accustomed to Korean culture during my Tokyo years. Mm-hmm. So and uh, but I, I have to say to this day it's still much easier for me to navigate uh, Japanese culture, interesting, or, or Japan than than Korea. Even That's not though the first time I've heard that. Well, there's a yeah, the, there's a sense of. Tr- in general, among Korean adoptees, you mean? I've heard it from a few Korean adoptees. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, there's something about Japan that makes it, it... I wouldn't say it's necessarily foreigner-friendly, but the, the, it's a service culture. There's hospitality mm-hmm. culture, uh, you know, okyaksan and all that. Uh, the the Kore- Koreans have that too, but uh, at the same time, they, they're a little more tribal and more closed to that. They feel mm-hmm. easily invaded and are, Probably more aggressive. There's a history behind that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a history behind it. Uh, so I would say it's a lot tougher. Mm. Uh, on the surface, the Koreans might seem... I mean, these are massive generalities, of course. It would have to be qualified a little bit. Sure. Uh, but Japan might be easier for foreigners, I think. Uh, mm. It's a smoother experience. Japan or Hong Kong. So Hong Kong, you have so many mediations. Sure, yeah. To counter. Hong Kong is a... Is uh, is completely different case also. Maybe it's well, not yeah. a good comparison. Well, that was also a British right. territory for like a hundred yeah. years. Right? Yeah. Well, but although Japan in the 1990s was still, it was still a bit raw. You didn't have a lot of foreigners walking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I go back. It's 2016, 2017. Uh, any time of the day or night, you come across like these white guys, black guys who speak completely fluent. Uh, Japanese in the 90s that would never happen huh. ever I mean, you, you would, that would happen to you once a year you'd go to a party and then you'd meet you'd meet a guy who's completely fluent yeah. with a deep knowledge of Japan uh, it was a lot of weird I mean the few foreigners that I met were mostly weirdos honestly <laughs> uh, but some of them have stayed uh, some of them have become good guys <laughs> I shouldn't say that that sounds, well, that's all right. that sounds horrible they're not going to hear this so, yeah, they might. so you spent uh, two years in Japan uh, about two years. Did yeah, you continue studying. a relationship with film while you were there? That's really when I developed uh, most of my film culture. At some point, the first few weeks, uh, I felt so isolated. I had no ways of communicating with the outside world, so to speak, <laughs> because no one spoke English. Uh-huh. Uh, I would just rent stuff from Tutaya. Tutaya is a big um, uh, chain that rents mm. uh, video rentals. They rent videos. Uh, so I would rent videos all day. We watch films all day. I started making friends, but then... Uh, I really didn't study much the first few months I was there. Uh, I would just watch film all the time. Just movies. Korea, Korean movies, Hong Kong films, a few a day. So within a year, I had watched a lot. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's a lot. You're talking every day uh-huh. know, and just binge watching. Like how many movies a day would you would you consume? For, uh, for a year, I would say at least four or five a day. For an entire Four or five year. movies so a you, day? Yes, yeah, so you have Whoa. to multiply. Sometimes more. Sometimes more. It was like uh, an early... It was the days of also otaku culture. I totally identified with the phenomenon. And it it yeah. became uh, also something almost cool now. Like, otaku mm-hmm. culture is a thing. Uh, I totally understand where, that's, where that comes from, uh, from that perspective. The inability to communicate with the outside world. Uh, I, I fixed myself over time and I managed to get out of the apartment and do other, other things, but it was extremely difficult. 
so I really had to work on myself to improve my linguistic skills mm. and, and meet people, which isn't easy because uh, East Asians in general require intro- you need to be introduced by someone. It's, yeah, it's yeah. difficult. It's very insular. You don't just go over to someone and go, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. And not that you would do that in New York where they think you're a psycho. But yeah. Again, <laughs> Wait, why again, are you talking you know, to me? <laughs> that again, you know. New I don't York have any money. <laughs> exactly. New York is weird too. I mean, you can do it. Th- is. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, you know what? I'm not sure what I'm saying. It's completely accurate. But, um, yeah. That's all right. So uh, it sounds like you really that was your field of study for at least uh, the first year while you were in Japan. It's just cinema. I, no, I was really doing that because, I don't know, I needed to see people and I couldn't. Uh, I was studying literature, so I was actually... But I wasn't studying much. I really wasn't. I was quite lazy and uh, a bit discouraged the first few weeks. I was like, this is going to be really hard. Because, you know, I was like halfway around the world, no connections whatsoever. Uh, What what brought you to Japan? Uh, I was on the exchange program. Uh, I went to Paris for graduate school and we had this program with this exchange program, uh, got a scholarship there. Uh, to do some kind of comparative literature dissertation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I ended up there. And um, they hadn't, my school hadn't sent anyone to Japan in, since the 80s. So it was, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so they, they really wanted to renew their, their, their partnership. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, there was growing interest in my school at the time in, in, in East Asia, China, Japan, mm. nothing with Korea at the time. So I decided, hey, why not? I'll take, I'll take the leap. I'll just go there. Uh, even though I was dying to go back to London. Uh, but I, I'm, you know, next thing you know, I'm on a plane. I go there. I have this scholarship. Uh, blew my, all my scholarship money on the stupidest <laughs> stuff. <laughs> to tell you, rentals. Like four or five movies a day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but then when I started getting my shit together, I started hanging out, going to clubs. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, you know, you know, like when you're in your 20s, you have sure. no sense of money. So it's just coming to you every month. It's a scholarship. All I had to do was write every now and then. So, so yeah, fun times. Fun times. <laughs> I learned a few things. That, that's when I started learning Japanese because uh-huh. I hang out, have to talk to girls, you know. Yeah. That's a good motivation. Yeah. So I started learning uh, the language that way. There you go. So, and I started becoming interested in going to Korea. Mm-hmm. So, so, so yeah. did you go from Japan then to Korea? Yeah, I did. I did. And, uh, and that's basically this, I had this very traumatic week in Korea that I don't really want to get into. And then I got back to Japan uh-huh. and somehow, somehow I came back after, you know, one week I came back, I was able to speak Japanese. Like my inhibition was down. Yeah. I just clicked. I was like, I was like, you know, I have this vocabulary and I, I couldn't put a sentence together for months. The, the, the grammar is quite, quite tricky. Mm-hmm. I do this bizarre trip to Korea for a week. I come back and somehow I can speak Japanese. It's really bizarre. Like I, I, I met the airport. I'm like, fuck, I can't speak Japanese, man. This is so bizarre. What happened to me? That's you yeah, because Korea was, was even so, it was so much harder. It was so mind-boggling. You think it's harder than Japanese? Here. Yeah, yeah, the pronunciation, there's, there's a lot more sounds and, mm. and the grammar is even trickier. It's another level. I think that Japanese writing is also quite complex, but... Uh, yeah, I, I would but, think so. Uh, Korean has, in terms of pronunciation, is insane. It's quite <laughs> insane. And I was like, I don't get it. I mean, how's... Th- 
that sound different from that sound. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm starting to get it. I'm still improving, but I'm not a very good Korean speaker mm-hmm. at this stage. I mean, well, that's all right. I can't understand it. And I was then I go to Korea several times a year. I'll be in Korea again. Uh, mid-July right after the festival oh really so yeah that's coming up soon yeah yeah I'm going on July 19th I'm working on a production that I want to get that's pretty cool yeah Yeah. well so so how did you get in? so you started getting involved when did you start getting involved more in the film side of things? So you're consuming a lot of movies, but then yeah. when do you start getting active in the film community, I well, guess? Well, I would write. Uh, I had... Uh, my, my thing was philosophy at the time, but I was... Um, uh, as you might know, uh, a lot of uh, French philosophers wrote on cinema and almost uh, invented the field of, one could argue, of, uh, of film theory in many ways. Uh, huh. The French had a massive influence on film criticism. Uh, well, and film critics, obviously, uh, from France, uh, were uh, immensely influential uh, worldwide. So I had a very strong interest in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of combined the two. I wrote a few articles, academic articles, very obtruse stuff, like almost illegible. You know, like what? <laughs> No, like high academia, like <coughs> the ontology of blah, 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 you know, the, uh, the non-eschatological blah, blah, you know, that kind of vocabulary that makes no sense. Well, it's, it it's, sounds it's, very good. Yeah, well, it's, it's the, 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 when you have technical terms like this, it's, 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 those are simplifications. It helps you write an entire paragraph about it. That's why people use jargon. But uh, at the time, there was sort of a frenzy for... Uh, for uh, technical jargon and I, I love that too there's, there's something about doing this you lose yourself in it in, in critical discourse mm-hmm. and you can get intoxicated on it but then you have to come back to earth <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I did that for a few years I, I, I thought of this, I thought of becoming an academic I was really into research writing, I wasn't too sure mm-hmm. but I was definitely into the idea uh, of writing books for a living Oh wow! Essays, uh, not journalism. On film, or yeah, yeah, but more like film theory. I was, I was really big on concepts, film theory, art criticism. Uh, you know, I had this idea of a book in general on philosophy, mm-hmm. which I never managed to complete, unfortunately. Novels also, but like experimental stuff. At the same time, I had a strong taste, completely uh, in a completely opposite way. I, I had a very strong interest in mainstream cinema. I love mm-hmm. like all the blockbusters. I would watch a ton of commercial cinema from uh, from the US, from you know, from other countries, but and from Asia. Or so the big those ones were two conflicting out. things. Or oh, in the in the in the was that was that in the nineties? Uh, I was a huge fan of Train Spotting for the longest time. Oh yeah, stuff like Fight Club. I, I, I mm-hmm. watched that movie. Multiple, multiple times. It was it was a big hit in France. Oh yeah, like, uh, yeah, in like the U.S. It was it was quite a big hit. Uh, films like that and 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 and, uh, and Asian films, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a two contradictory trends, if you want. So for a while, I pursued more of an academic career, and I started teaching. I was one of the youngest uh, university professor professors in. Uh, in Paris uh, for for about a year, I hated it. Uh, so I just cannot do that. So when you, you do know, like when teaching you or uh, the act of teaching itself wasn't bad, uh, even though I don't think I was quite prepared for it. I was too young. Uh, teaching in itself wasn't uh, wasn't was not bad, but um, it's the profession. You know, you're 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 dumped with a bunch of guys who 
who do they do it for a living you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a job yeah. so they do their thing they go home to their wife and kids it's like this is really fucking depressing and all they talked about all day my <laughs> colleagues all my colleagues talked about all day is like going on strike social benefits uh, salary requirements and all that I was like I cannot continue that way because I was maybe maybe I had my head too far up my ass I was maybe too much into like abstract uh, ambitions of artistic ambitions mm -hmm. and I was an idealist I guess Uh, so that really crushed my spirit at the time. I was like, I cannot possibly continue doing this thing. I cannot sure. reconcile the idea of being this civil servant. When you're a teacher or a professor in, in France, you're a civil servant. Hmm. Basically, the private school system is a minority. and yeah, yeah. No one really trusts the private schools. They're perceived to be a, a money scheme. Like for-profit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's perceived to be like it's a pay-for-play. Uh, what is it called? Pay-to-play. Yeah. Yeah, is that yeah. what you call it? Uh, it's quite different from the U.S. where mm -hmm. you're like here, yeah. Pay to play is your only option, right? <laughs> Am I exaggerating? <laughs> Sorry, that sounds bad. I'm going to offend your conservative listeners. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's quite it's, it's, the view in France is quite different. I think it's it's like that in uh, most Europe, except maybe the UK. Mm -hmm. So you were um, a civil servant for a year. I was a civil servant for a year. I hated it. I started inquiring among my friends uh, using my network of uh, the network of. Uh, alumni from my school to see if I could get something different. The paycheck was fine, but it was just so fucking depressing. And yeah. I hated waking up <laughs> in the morning and going to... So I, I managed to get myself recommended for a job in New York oh, yeah. uh, with the cultural service of the French embassy. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's on the paper. It sounded pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, so that got me out of Paris and out of a really bad relation. I was I was in a relation with this Japanese girl. Uh, that was not good. <laughs> a lot of things. So my twenties. But did your Japanese get better me. from that? Yes, of course. Well, there you go. <laughs> so you uh, got that's the best part of, of my Japanese last time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how I I I, I, um, I ended up living in New York. That was in 2003. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I worked with the French embassy for two years, mm -hmm. uh, the cultural office in New York. Uh, it was it was not a bad job per se, but again, you know, civil servant, you work for the diplomatic corps. Mm -hmm, I, sure. thought was, I thought it was a pain in the ass. Didn't correspond at all to what I had in mind. Mm. Uh, it was a f it, it further destroyed my idea of intellectuals and, and artists and uh, writers and intellectuals. Let's say, not necessarily visual artists. That was a bit later. Disappointment <laughs> came later. But I was like, all these guys ever think about is how many books they sell. It's like it's disgusting. Sure, yeah. I hate it. Commercial. Yeah, it was all. I mean, again, I think I was rather foolish. Of course, you need to sell books, <laughs> and yeah, uh, if you otherwise, how are you going to make a living? Sure, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't like what I saw, and um, so I got out. <laughs> uh, I got out. I did publishing for a little while. Uh, Still here in the US? Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always in New York. Uh, the company went down. Uh, it was. Uh, we were doing art books. Uh, I started being disillusioned. It's like, it sounds like a long series of uh, disillusions and disappointments. That's life. Uh, yeah, exactly. A friend of mine uh, used to, to say, uh, a friend of mine from like 10 years ago, he said this thing once to me. It's like, you always have to give disappointment a chance. <laughs> you know, we'd go out on I think the town, that's true. drink, and be, and, be, and be like, oh man, we have to do something with our lives. Uh, and something. And be like, you have to give disappointment a chance, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you sure. did that <laughs> I did yeah no but, but that, what, that, what that really means is actually a positive message is you have to not be afraid of failure you, yeah, you have to have experience exactly 
Exactly. I think uh, uh, fear of the, the unknown is, is really, you know, the most negative thing, one of the most mm -hmm. negative things. Um, so yeah, I did that, and then that's I got I started bec uh, being uh, becoming friends with some Korean Americans, and um, I got acquainted with um, a nonprofit called the Korea Society. Oh yeah, and mm -hmm. I got I got I got along pretty well with uh, the the executive director at the time, who hired me to do their uh, public lectures. So, since I had an experience in uh, organizing um, lectures for the French embassy. Okay. My, my, job, my French embassy job, you know, despite uh, the nice sounding title I had and, 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 and the nice compensation, I was, I was a bona fide uh, tour operator. I was a travel agent. Sure. It's like people would call me, I want my flight there. I was flying uh, French writers. Uh, to, Fran uh, to sorry, uh, French writers to the U.S. and vice mm -hmm. versa. I would send some American writers on tours in, the, yeah, yeah. in France. It, was, it wasn't, wasn't great, but I mean, I learned a lot of stuff, and that's actually extremely useful now. It helps build a network, right? Uh, yeah, even though I didn't do much work on that. No more like technical skills, like you know, like booking flights. A lot, a lot of practical skills, which at the time, being a bookish guy, I completely despised. I mean, I was in my own head. I was like, you know, a music and film yeah. and books and, and all that almost like the caricature of a Frenchman I was very much despite being an Asian I think I was the perfect caricature of a Frenchman like I was you still think of yourself of that control, way of, of myself as yeah, a, yeah. the caricature I was told I am I don't, I don't know <laughs> that I am I mean I know many French people who don't give a shit about culture they're just into you know working at a bank and stuff no mm -hmm. the, the idea that foreigners have of, of Frenchmen oh, somehow Frenchman. somehow fit the bill I don't know that's, that's how it is it's my personality and that's not going to change but there's a lot of very bookish guys in Korea who, yeah. uh, what's the caricature of a Korean guy I don't know uh, actually, I have an idea, but we're not going to say it. <laughs> it's not going to sound good. Um, let's see. Yeah, so... So you started getting involved in Korean society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I started doing programming. Uh, mm -hmm. I started working. Uh, I, started, I started selecting films for film programs. And becoming acquainted, I started becoming acquainted with the film scene a bit. Initially, I wasn't too hot on it, and then I really got into the idea of programming for movies, mm. organizing stuff. Uh, I had a, I've had a really good time working on the Curse idea. In fact, uh, I thought it was uh, there was a tremendous sort of platform for me. I learned a lot more skills. I think that was the time, of maybe when I reached a certain maturity. Mm. Uh, I did a lot of business-related programs. Uh, I would invite. Uh, people from credit rating agency, politicians, all kinds of people, really. Writers, yeah. poets, translators, filmmakers. It was, it was really a tremendous experience. And I started, you know, you get older, start becoming more humble. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not beyond booking flights for someone or hotels. Uh, so, uh, so that was good. That's when I started uh, enjoying what I was doing professionally. And then I got an opportunity that took me to Japan Society. So that's when I started doing really film full time. The Japan Society has their own theater. Oh, really? So I was running their film, yeah, near the UN. That's pretty cool. So I started programming films full time for them. I, I was running the film program uh, wow. in their theater. Uh, so that's basically take me to where I am now. So I did that for four years. 
Uh, and then uh, during those years, I started collaborating with the New York Asian Film Festival. Mm-hmm. We would discuss, you know, ideas of collaboration. We, we had this partnership, which unfortunately didn't work out too well after I left uh, because I went to the other side. <laughs> uh, possibly that's <laughs> one reason. Uh, there are other reasons too, but yeah, it didn't work out too well. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I am now. So so now you're directing the New York Asian Film that's Festival. Right, that's right. We try to uh, make it sustainable. We try to make it better every year. That's the best team I ever worked with. I would say great. We have a great team of volunteers, and uh, mostly it's mostly volunteer work. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's it's good operation at this point. I like to think. Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks very professional, and you're here you. right here in Lincoln Center. I mean, yeah, that's the yeah, center yeah. of it all. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a great venue for us. Yeah, it's uh, pretty, right above Broadway, right? The theater and like right here in, in the cultural center of New York, I think. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we enjoy being here. It's good. It's yes. a good place every year. And then on Sunday, you're doing a Q and A Q&A session, I think, after Split, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, should I speak about? Sure. Speak absolutely. About yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's it's not a movie that I necessarily that was high on our radar necessarily, but. Um, uh, it, it has UGT uh, in it. That's what caught our attention. He's a well-known uh, actor, uh, also specifically, from Old Boy. yeah, specifically <laughs> because of his part in Old Boy. He, he's not maybe as prominent as he used to be during those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he turned to filmmaking for for a while. Uh, very interesting guy. Uh, so he plays this surly kind of guy and I, I believe that's actually one of his strongest characters in years it's very surprising work it's, it's quite modest in a way it's mm-hmm. not trying to be what it's not uh, it's a movie about you know uh, bowling on the surface but it's really about you know second chances at life yeah, and all that I think it's about yeah. re- redemption having having watched it now. that's right yeah 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 it's yeah, very yeah. much that's about good this point. character's redemption yes absolutely it's a good point it's a good point a guy who learns to be uh, not to be uh, not to humble. be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, he's quite a despicable character in the beginning. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's not great. Man, this guy is really kind of a dick. It's bitter. Yeah, it's bitter because yeah, but that's. You know, it's interesting who's showing that to a group of adoptee. I mean, you, you start you start out in, uh, start off in life with a slap on the face, so to speak, and you become bitter, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of like what mm-hmm. exper- the character experiences, you know. He's had, yeah. He had these misfortunes, misfortunes in his life, and it seems like mm-hmm. he's handicapped, uh, literally, physically, and, right. and in his head as well. I mean, his biggest handicap is really like he's become so bitter and he's yeah. an unbearable asshole. He doesn't see that he has people who care about mm-hmm. him, so... Uh, I think it's a beautiful film this way, and it's, it's a it's a great crowd pleaser. It won the audience award in uh, Udine, the Far East Asian Film Festival in Italy, that precedes us by a few months. Wow! Uh, so Italians love the movie. Uh, I think New Yorkers will like the film too. Uh, uh, I, I what I liked about the movie also is the uh, performance by the actress Lee Jong Hyun. Mm-hmm. I think uh, she's a tremendous actress. She's yeah. got great chemistry with UGT uh, in this, and it's. Uh, uh, she's always surprising uh, in terms of where she she goes. Uh, doesn't necessarily go for like big, uh, huge. I mean, huge blockbusters. Really chooses yeah. her, her roles very carefully. So, so that was a very surprisingly heartwarming movie for 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 me for us for the programming team. That's how we picked it, mm-hmm. and uh, we hope the uh, audience. Uh, comes and enjoys uh, the film. I'm sure they will. And, yeah. and how do people uh, get tickets to go, go to go see it? This is going to be film on Link. Sunday at 12:30, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, schedule uh, better than me it seems. Filmlink.org. 
filmlinklinc.org. Awesome. Right. Yeah, so we were talking a little bit about uh, mm-hmm. the redemption story about Split. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any other themes in that movie that relate to you personally uh, as an adoptee or that adoptees could relate to? Because I think that's an interesting take that you that you have about how he's kind of saddled with the, these these circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, having been handicapped right. um, after a successful bowling career mm-hmm. or at the height of his bowling career, really. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's character changing for him, and he's got to kind of deal with those circumstances. Yeah, I think it is sense that might relate to. I certainly did not pick up the film for that reason, <laughs> I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's just a really heartwarming story, and it's, it's kind of rare coming from Korea. There's a lot of you know, stuff about corruption and yeah. how, how fucked up society is. Uh, like, you know, like politicians are corrupt, movies mm-hmm. are corrupt, everyone's corrupt, the world sucks, and let's just blow it up. I saw the trailer for that one film. I was it called Election or... Oh, yeah, I love Election. Hong Kong film. Mm-hmm. We're going to show it in a half an hour or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah, 8.30. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, other themes for... No, I just think for people who... Uh, I, I don't know how familiar the group that's going to be coming on, on Sunday is with current culture. I mean, it's a, it's an easy introduction. That's what I wish someone had done to me instead of oh, showing yeah. me, you know, uh, Old Boy or something. Well, <laughs> old Boy wasn't the first film I watched. I mean, to me, that was mm-hmm. hardly a surprise. And, and there's a reason why that guy uh, has become prominent. He's an outlier. He's... Pak is a different is different from yeah, the rest of uh, very the different filmmakers. He shares something. He has something in common. Obviously, I mean, you come from the same country, same culture. Mm-hmm. You share something with them. Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a good easy introduction to Korean culture mm-hmm. in, in this sense. It, it shows you the good sides, the bad sides, but it's it's all in a very accessible, well told uh, tale of redemption, as you as you mm-hmm. call it. I think that's quite accurate. Uh, and it's, it has to do with bowling. I mean, Americans love bowling, though. No? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah. <laughs> that actually took me by surprise. Like, I knew it was called Split, but I didn't realize it was going to be so much about bowling. I was like, yeah, I didn't yeah, realize there was this yeah, underground frankly, world of bowling. <laughs> exactly. That's one of the pleasures of what we're doing. I mean, quite frankly, the first time I heard about the movie, I was like, I mean, what the hell? Bowling, really, man? <laughs> why, why should we show that? But I think it shows we're really open to anything. Mm-hmm. We show anything if it's, if it's interesting. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm not a particularly huge fan of baseball, but we showed that film a few years ago mm-hmm. called Cano, a Taiwan uh, film about uh, the first Taiwan baseball team. It's extraordinary. I, don't, I barely understand baseball. I mean, I, I do now because it's been long enough. Uh, since <laughs> In I'm, the States. Yes, yeah. It's big here. But you know what I mean? It's not... It's not... It's, uh, it's the kind of film like Split that can appeal to a much wider audience and not just... Yeah, you know, and the movie is ultimately not really about bowling. Yeah, you know, really, it's about no. this man and, and his uh, relationships. That yeah, and the Otis, I thought also I feel the worst when you see that character, you know, the mentally uh, yeah. uh, challenged uh, mm-hmm. kid. Uh, we don't want to give out too many details, but I, f- I really feel the worst when I see the, saw the character. You're like, oh, where's this going to go? Like, oh, like, oh, no, please let... Don't, don't let this be about the, the, right. the mentally challenged kid. <laughs> and it kind of isn't. It's really well done. That's mm-hmm. why it surprised me no, on yeah. level, many levels because despite having this premise that might not appear to anyone with, with an actor that might not be at, you know, the, the, the biggest at the moment, right. it manages to be uh, immensely enjoyable. So that's what yeah, I, that's I think it's a very I enjoyable film. 
Yeah, that's why I thought it was worth uh, worth showing. What do you so, think? Uh, we've got other current films in the lineup that are great too. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. gonna say, what, what are the other highlights uh, that you want to kind of bring to light here? I think the film that the whole team liked best was Vanishing Time: A Boy Who Returned. That's the subtitle. Uh, Vanishing Time was uh, definitely had a big consensus for it. Uh, we tried to proceed uh, with the selection collectively. Uh, so that everyone on the team, there's four of us, uh, love the film. Uh, I think it's a, a really original fantasy. It's a tale of these uh, these lonely kids who are, you know, they become friends because they, they 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 only have each other, and uh, one of them uh, one day disappears, and then all of a sudden there's this guy played by Kong Dong Won who claims to be that kid. Like the, the next day, a few, mm. a few couple of days later, or something. Uh, it's a really intriguing fantasy and mystery, very, uh, very well told, with a great performance by Kang Dong Won, and he's going to be, he's going to be at the screening. So that's uh, that's cool. One of the major stars from Korea right now. So we're quite excited to continue to bring uh, big stars from yeah the country. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, well, thank being you flexible and scheduling this. Yeah, no, of course, of course. <laughs> Where can uh, people find uh, more information about the New York Asian Film Fest? Uh, on the Lincoln Center website, our partner and venue, uh, film, filmlink.org, and our website, subwaycinema.com. Okay. And uh, can people follow you on social media or anywhere? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, they can, but I can never remember our, <laughs> our, <laughs> our handles because we changed them a couple of times. Uh, it should be, yeah, on Facebook, we're easy to find, New York Asian Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Quick, a quick search, uh, and you, you, you find us. Same on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. And that was my interview, my conversation with uh, Samuel Jamier. Uh, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not a French speaker, but I am a film lover. And I hope you're a film lover as well. And if you have time and uh, you are in the New York area, please go check out uh, the New York Asian Film Fest, especially tomorrow's showing of Split uh, with former star of old boy Yuji Tae uh, as he headlines as a superstar bowler who learns how to live again with the help of a young man on the autism spectrum. That's the plot. That's the plot of it. The Hollywood Reporter says nearly every frame in Split has a vibrant, gorgeously saturated palette, and the production registers at a typically high Korean standard. So, again, go to uh, FilmLink, go to the Lincoln Center website, look for New York Asian Film Festival online, and you can check out how to get tickets, how to go see it at the Walter Reed Theater tomorrow, July 9th at 12.30 p.m. Uh, With that... I will uh, let you guys go. I don't really have anything else to to say, I guess. I'm going to maybe go watch Baby Driver again. It's that good. It's that good. I loved Baby Driver. Do you guys know anything about it? Do you know anything about Baby Driver? I'll play a little bit of the, uh, the, the trailer maybe after this, possibly. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. What other movies are coming out that look good this summer? Uh, let's see. Atomic Blonde. That's the one I'm looking forward to most, I think. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Wasn't originally looking forward to it like the other two movies, but... Uh, it's getting good reviews. It's getting good early buzz. So it's possible I may go uh, watch and enjoy that. Dunkirk. That one looks harrowing. What a harrowing movie that looks like. I don't know. But I will see it looks beautiful. I love Chris Nolan. Looks like an all-star cast. Uh, saw Spider-Man Homecoming. That was enjoyable. I enjoyed that quite a bit. 
Guardians of the Galaxy 2, also very enjoyable. Uh, I will refuse to watch any Transformers movie. Looks terrible. The House, uh, this kind of flew under my radar, and uh, it looks like it was probably for good reason. I don't know, Captain Underpants, if, I guess if you're a family person, that might be uh, something good to watch. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, no interest. Alien Covenant, that was okay. Uh, what else? Uh, everything, everything, I, I think that's a good movie for maybe the teens. I think the teens might like that. Uh, Diary of Wimpy Kid, another one that's, uh, I think, for the kids. Uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. You know, I'll give that one a shot. I'll give it a shot. I like Luc Besson and Luc Besson movies. Uh, the Fifth Element, that was awesome. The Professional, also a great film. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know about this uh, this Valerian. But it looks like a spectacle. I'll give it that. It looks like it was very expensive to make. I believe it was one of the most expensive French movies to make. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I got to finish Okja. Okja is the one I got to finish now. All right. I'm rambling. I'm rambling on about films. I'm a film lover. You guys know that. I love films. Go see Baby Driver. Uh, I'll get, I'll catch you guys next month. All right. See you later. Catch you later. Oh, I almost forgot. I, this is what happens when I only do this month to month. Music today provided by the Bell at Needle Drop Records, as well as a collective effort. You can find them on SoundCloud. They're both on SoundCloud. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash TheRamblerADHD as well as twitter.com. Uh, you can find me at TheRamblerADHD. Uh, sometimes I do Periscope type of things on there too. Uh, you know, subscribe. Subscribe to me on iTunes. Subscribe to me on, on wherever you get podcasts. I'm on Google Play and Podbean and all these other formats. Share the show if you like it. I hope you do. And if you'd like to be on the guest on the show, you are free to do that. If you're an international or transracial adoptee uh, or have something to say of substance about the matter, then you can contact me at therambleradhd at gmail.com. That is my email that you can email me on. And we will coordinate. We will coordinate your guest spot on this show, The Rambler. Uh, In any case, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your July. I hope you had a very good and safe Fourth of July weekend and holiday. If you're in America, if you're in uh, some other area of the world, I hope you have a uh, equally good month. Uh, and then enjoy the hot and sweaty month of August. If you're in Korea, stay cool. Stay cool. It's very hot out there. I don't know. I assume China is also very hot uh, in many places in the summer uh, season and months of August. I don't know. All right, I'm, I'm definitely rambling now. I'll catch you guys next month. Adios. starting your day or did you just get off they call i go you know so what is it you do i'm a driver oh like a chauffeur anyone i'd know i hope not what is your name baby your name's baby b-a-b-y baby one who say listen to the music all the time is he uh, mental mental meaning slow was he slow no he had an accident when he was a kid still has a hum in the drum plays music to drown it out and that's what makes him the best one more job and i'm done one more job and we're straight now, I don't think I need to give you the speech about what happens when you say no, how I could break your legs and kill everyone you love, because you already know that, don't you? 
Yeah. The moment you catch feelings is the moment you catch a bullet. And your uh, waitress girlfriend, she's cute. Let's keep it that way. I want us to head west and never stop. You in? I'm in, baby.